GM. Let's go. Put it in the box. And make it 14 as he gets Anderson looking. Jacob DeGrom ties his career high with 14 strikeouts. Scooter and the big man bust the city in half, and the Mets lead it. A grand slam high off the right field foul pole. He's done it again. Francisco Lindor. That's driven to deep right field, headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Jeff McNeil breaks the ice with his 23rd home run of the year. Uh, amazing city. Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing City. Uh, it's a little bit delayed because of some technical issues. We'll just leave it at that. A little whole lot of with the computer, the file. It's it, it was a battle. It was a battle. So we just decided, you know what? Let's kill it, and we re record here today. Uh, and you know what? It's kind of a good thing because before we recorded the last episode. We did not get to talk about the historic comeback that happened in Philadelphia. And it also kind of gives us a mulligan because we're both 0 for 2 in our predictions. You said, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You said they were going to get swept. You said they were going to go into Philly, lose all four games. I said Scherzer was going to go for a complete game. Neither one of those happened. And of course, Scherzer was the only game we lost in the series. So 30 games in, the Mets are 20 and 10. First team in baseball to 20 wins. Uh, still have the largest lead in the division in baseball with six games in front of Atlanta, who is in second place now. Again, things are looking all, all, all well and good here in Queens. Yeah, it's not often you get, you know, good teams. You're going to get three, four, five landmark wins in a year. Feels like the Mets have already had three or four of them. I mean, you have the huge comeback. You have the no-hitter. You have the comeback, comeback in, in St. Louis. St. Louis. So you already have three wins that are just huge, like monumental team building wins. And it's like May 9th, May 10th, something <laughs> like that. Like this yeah. is an unsustainable pace. I don't think it's a good pace for like heart rates and all that. But I mean, you just, you have, you have to be excited. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've made this point time and time again. Last year, the Mets were winning in spite of their stars and of their great players, albeit, the, you know, the Mets, some of the Mets' best players right now are slumping. You know, Escobar has really cooled off. Lindor is still hitting the ball hard, but is not finding any luck. Um, but the pitching has stepped up. Yeah. I mean, Chris Bassett is starting to look really, really good. You know, Carrasco has been a godsend so far. McGill is still doing his thing. You know, and even this is one of the great things about Max Scherzer that we see all the time with Jacob deGrom is when he's – even when he's not his best – even when he's at his worst, he's yeah. still keeping you in that game. And if the, I mean, the worst Mets were in the position, Max Scherzer is six innings and three runs. Yeah, and I mean, but that's also going to happen when you're a guy who keeps the ball around the zone as much as he does. I yeah. mean, I think his final line was six or, or 10 or 11 hits, which obviously is not ideal over the course I think of it was like 10 hits. None were hit hard. So for the whole Babbitt crowd and, and, the, and the crowd that were on the Mets all year so far because they don't hit the ball hard throughout the entire season. I think I think there was a stat, I think it was Tim Healy that put it out, that seven of the ten hits off of Max Scherzer were under 78 miles an hour. That's yeah, like no, that's insane, unprecedented bad luck in a game. Yeah, it's it's nuts. But even on the days where it's just not going your way, they're still in that game. I mean, Sands if it's not for a James McCann double play, who knows? You might be you got that the might. <laughs> Right, you might get the winner. That game ends up differently after the Lindor two-run homer. So I just think overall, you are six and three with Philly, which this is which is huge. Right, that's all you can, you can that's all you can ask for and more. You just want to be able. I've said it. I said it on the last episode that we can. I think is if you play three or four games above five hundred with Philly, all you're really going to have to do is play five hundred with Atlanta. Yeah. And you are going to either be in the division until game 162, or you are going to win the division. Absolutely. So it's a great start with Philly. I mean, again, you don't want to get complacent. You know, if it's up to me, go 16 and three with Philly. Hell yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Just beat the, beat the, beat the brakes off them every time you see them. Don't see them again for a while. Um, not a lot of divisional play coming up. You got Washington. Like, you don't see Miami for the first time until late June. Which is wild. 
I think it's like June 13th or 14th. It's a, it's a thing. It's a Thursday through Monday at City Field, or okay, or a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday at City Field for a four game set. Mm-hmm. That's like the the third week of June. You don't get them for a while, so the Mets are gonna have a good chance to see what the competition in the rest of the National League and the rest of the and, and the rest of baseball is like. I mean, after Washington here, you see St. Louis again. We all know it's not going to be a clean series. No. You have Seattle coming in, who is a good team. I, I really like that Seattle team. They got some good pitching, and I think the bats are quiet, are a little quiet right now, but they're a good enough team. And then after St. Louis, you're in Denver with a stellar Rockies team. I mean, I wouldn't go ahead and say stellar, but it's vastly improved from past years. And I think the pitch, the pitching's good. The pitching has been a revelation for them, and that's something you don't see a whole I mean, lot. Granted, comparatively to the rest of baseball, it's not I that mean, good. But yeah. I think you have to think from Rocky's standard, Rocky's standards, that's good pitching. And mind you, Chris Bryant hasn't hit a home run yet. Okay. He's on the IL, I think, right? He might have been. Re- I think he might be back. But I was looking at the list of players who has not hit a home run yet. Yeah, he's up there. He's one of them. Chris Bryant is pretty high up there he might have just landed on the il yeah i'm not I'm sure checking it, i'm checking it right him. now but yeah. even then cj crone has been one of if not the best hitters in baseball so cj crone might be the nl mvp as of today <laughs> so. no i mean he's he's a guy who's at the deadline if the rockies aren't in it april okay april 29th so like a week and a half ago okay but i mean he's but still, he's that's 60, a month for the game. 60 at-bats into his season. Chris Bryant, former MVP, $100 million-plus man, hasn't gone yard yet. I mean, CJ Trump's been good. in Colorado. Right, and he's playing in Denver. Connor <laughs> Joe. Connor Joe's been great. Like, this is... I love that, dude. I think especially in Denver, that's not a team you can take lightly. No, of course not. That's hey. not like walking into Washington or walking into Cincinnati. Listen, the like, Dodgers lost three out of four in Colorado to that team, so... Anything that's, can happen in Colorado. It doesn't matter who I think you are. Like, I think at any like, given time, they can beat you. That's. I think that's like the C, like the NFL equivalent of the Seahawks. Like no matter when you walk into Seattle, you got to know they're going to put up a game. They might sure. beat you. They. Yeah. You might look up in the fourth quarter and it might be a tie game with ten minutes to go. You might look up in the eighth inning and it's four to four. It could be ten you, to four. <laughs> right. In that no, and I mean. The and Mets some some Mets pitchers have struggled in in hitters ballpark so far this year. Taiwan Walker did not have a great outing in Philly, but that's he never a does. right no. And the Philly just owns him. Yeah, but I just think you have to be weary. You know, I think I said this last week on the episode never got up. I don't like going into ballparks and I don't like going into hitters ballparks when you're a pitching reliant team. You know, the Mets bats have not been great. So I think if you're going in, I think there's two ways to look at it. You might be going into that ballpark thinking, all right, this is a great time for the bats to wake up. Mm-hmm. This will be what we need, get some confidence going. But you have to look at the flip side of that of, okay, we're coming into a to a batter's ballpark where our bats are ice cold and we have to rely on our pitching to win. Pitching's not going to win you a lot of games in Colorado. No. Logan no. Verrett might do it every now and then, but, but I mean, that's I – mean, we'll, we'll talk about this next week. That's three in Col- – Three in Colorado, three in San Francisco. They've got some tough West Coast road stretches this year. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the, the stretch of death in June? First week of June, they do four with the Dodgers, three with the Padres, three with the Angels. I think all of those teams have a 600 winning percentage right now. The Angels have been a very surprising team. Let me quickly double check, but I'm pretty sure Thor looked great the other night. He's looking good. He's having a good start. He's having a very good start to the season. And just going back to Tywin Walker, in five games, he has an ERA over over five in Philadelphia. So, And that's only in 24 innings. So in five starts, he's only gone 24 innings in Philly. He has not done very good there. No. I I got the numbers on those that road stretch. LA is 19 and 8. San Diego is 19 and 11. LA is 20 and 11. So that's your first little gauntlet that you're going to face there. They had a mini stretch where it was back-to-back series of, of the Giants and the Cardinals and kind of took care of business and did more than maintain above water there. They I think they won yeah. three out of four against St. Louis. Uh, or, no, I'm sorry. They won three out of four against the Giants and two out of three from St. Louis. So you're, you'll take that 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I mean, luckily for them. That's a, that's a tough three-game stretch or three-series stretch. Yeah, you have a day off in between the Padres and the Angels. But I think this kind of goes to the first big point I'm trying to make today, being that it's a good start. It's a great start. 
you got to beat up on Washington coming up because after this, it does not get easy. No. You got Seattle. Seattle's a good team. Mm-hmm. You got Colorado, who is more than capable of winning. Or sorry, you got St. Louis. That'll be an ugly series. Yeah. Colorado is more than capable of winning games against good teams. Like you said, they Definitely. did it with the Dodgers. You got three with the Giants, three with the Phillies, Washington again. But then you have L.A., San Diego, L.A., Milwaukee, Miami, Houston, Ooh, Miami. Milwaukee in there, too. No, this is this is nuts. Yeah. I mean, their schedule doesn't really get easy until July. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot gets made out of the June swoon Mets and all that. But once you're done with the Nationals, the first week of June, starting June 2nd, you go Dodgers, Padres, Angels, Brewers, Marlins, Astros, Marlins, Astros. Oh, my God. Granted, right after that, you go Rangers, Reds, Marlins. Okay. <laughs> then the Braves and then the Cubs. You, you, you have a cakewalk going up to the All-Star get break. get back after that. Right. You, you have a cakewalk going up to the All-Star break. Holy but hell. That's, that's a tough stretch. Yeah. That's, that's a postseason stretch right there. That's that's going to tell you if this is a contender or not. Right. If you can go 500 in that stretch, I, I think that's all you're going to look for. That's all you that's gotta all you're going to look for. It's May 9th. You still for. you still haven't lost a series. Or I'm sorry, May 10th. You still haven't lost a series. And who knows? Maybe you don't lose a series until June, which would be unheard of. But, but it's possible. I mean, they've already – In that stretch, you're going to lose a series. You might lose all of them. <laughs> <laughs> You got to be honest. So, I mean, I, I think you, you got to be able to beat up on Washington here. It's just I know so important. This, I know this episode specifically, we're going to be looking at Washington and Seattle the next two series, but you got you to gotta fatten up. Yeah. And that, that kind of brings up another topic that we were talking about um, in the previous episode that we, didn't, we weren't able to put up. Trevor May is going to be out for a good two to three months. So that's one of your top high leverage bullpen arms off the shelf for a while. He's still traveling with the team, which is good. He's rehabbing with the team because he wants to maintain the camaraderie and the chemistry, which is fantastic. That's what you love to hear. Regardless, he's not going to be able to pitch. He's not going to be able to pick up a ball for another three to four weeks. So someone is either going to have to step up mightily, a Drew Smith possibly, and listen, it's Drew Smith season, but (laughs) you still need another bullpen arm. I think you could argue he's already stepped up as much as you could ask. You might absolutely listen. He's gone what twelve innings and he hasn't let up a run. He's he's been a revelation. Doesn't even begin to describe it. But with May down, you need another bullpen arm, a high leverage, reliable bullpen arm that can get you high leverage outs, and you do that now because you can't go into that stretch with Milwaukee, the Dodgers, the Astros, and all those teams with the bullpen that that's presently constructed. You need to bring someone else in. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree there. I would expect them first to check in-house because that's I just think Definitely. the order of operation is always. I mean, Steven Nagosik has looked pretty good in AAA. Just mm-hmm. looking at his numbers now, 10, 10 and two-thirds, only two earned, only two walks, one home run, 13 strikeouts. Those are those are solid numbers. You got to remember with these bullpen guys, it takes them a while sometimes. Sure. I mean, the first couple of years, Drew Smith didn't look good. But, or he looked good at times. He was shaky. Even last year, like, he had his moments. He had a meltdown in Miami. I, I was there. The walk-off home run to Brian Anderson, I think it was. Either him or Garrett Cooper, they always kill us. They're the same guy. Yeah. But, I mean, I would expect them maybe to, like, look at a Colin Holderman. Looked good in spring training. I think he's only given up two or three earned in Syracuse. And he throws a gas, which is something that, yeah, that all teams look for. No, absolutely. And I think that's... It makes it a lot easier to help figure help him figure it out. Yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if they look internal first. I mean, you also have some guys stepping up already. Joelly Rodriguez, since that first those first couple games, has looked great. Even the other night, one hit still strikes out the side. I mean, I think he's got his ERA down to like the mid fours now after it started out at like eleven or something yeah. like that. So I think you definitely have guys. I mean, Chase and Shreve. Chase and Shreve has been great. I'm listen, I need to take back everything I've said about Chase and Shreve. What did I tell you in the spring? I need to take back everything. You, need, you I've owe said me about an apology. Him. You owe I, me an apology. I am sorry to you. I'm sorry to Chasen. I'm sorry to the Shreve family. <laughs> he has been fantastic. I said you can't go into the season with him being your top lefty, and he's performing 
like a top lefty. I think he's been great. I don't think anyone could say anything bad about him. <laughs> no, I, I think the only bad thing you can say about him is that he's a free agent at the end of the year. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, that's really about it. Well, like, I mean, the Mets pitching staff, you could say that about 90% of the people. Okay, yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> yeah, you, Next you year, me. we're going we're – go, we have uh, Tyler McGill, and that's it. <laughs> that's, that's the staff. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, again, I, I think the first thing the Mets are going to do is look in-house. You definitely have some interesting yeah. names down on the farm. I mean, if you want to look down mm-hmm. to double A, which I don't think they would with him yet, but I, Bryce, I Montes, yeah. Bryce Montes to Oka has been it, like he throws 102, 103. Electric name, by the way. Oh, that's a phenomenal. He's never been healthy. I think he missed two full years just rehabbing at first, but he has, still hits 101, 102. I mean, it's always possible that they do move outside. I think the first thing they would do is maybe look for like a Yoan Lopez type, just someone to add to the depth. Because mm-hmm. I think at first you do need to see if guys internally can step up. Sure. Because the only thing easier to do than moving pieces is using internal pieces. Definitely. So I think they're going to give guys options or opportunities. We talked about this a little bit last time. You might, you might have to get a little bit creative with how you go about Yoan Lopez's three-game suspension. Yeah. I think he's an important piece of the team, especially depth-wise. You know, you need that. I think as we learned in 2015, you need that 27th, 27th, 28th, 29th, those guys on the roster, especially the arms, you need those guys. They are yeah. important. I mean, like the Sean Gilmartins, the Logan Verrett's, the 2015 Mets, those guys get you through 162. Robert Gazelman in 15 was fantastic. I think that was 16. Was that 16? Yeah, that was your every starting pitcher got hurt. That's right. That was Except for Noah Syndergaard. That was and Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, that was a Bumgarner wildcard year. Yeah. Yeah, they got Bumgarner for sure. Yeah. But um, no, I mean. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You look in-house. I, I think I'm not I as think, into the minor leagues as you are, but for me, just from what I saw in spring training and what from the little tip you know, snippets I've seen on, on Twitter and everything, Colin Holderman's the top guy for me. I'm not sure if he has any control issues, but with the with the arm action he has and the velocity that he brings and the repertoire that he has besides the fastball, I mean, he could definitely be a weapon out of the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, start him off in the fifth, sixth inning, and then you never know. He might be one of those high-leverage guys to replace Trevor May. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he throws hard. It doesn't miss bats a ton, which is always something you worry about at the major league level, you know, pitching to contact. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was looking at the other day, like, the worst pitch in baseball so far this year in terms of how hard it's been hit has been Hunter Green's fastball. Um, yeah. Which sits like 102, 103. Yeah. And it's just getting it's getting knocked around left and right. Like it's getting his tits lit. Yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they look at Thomas the Bucky too. I think he's a guy who I books out that he is not a major league starter. I mean, he's been only been starting games for Syracuse. But he's got four starts and 12 innings total. So I, I think everyone just kind of knows that he isn't a starter long-term. Right. So I definitely think it would help to start looking at other options for him. Mm-hmm. You know, the curveball slider was his calling card as a prospect. I definitely think he could be a nice multi-inning left-handed reliever. Like, I'm not saying he's the next Andrew Miller or anything like that. But he's definitely a guy that, you know, has the stuff, I think, to still play at the major league level. But, you know, if you're going three, four innings a start, you're not playing as a starter. No. That's not going to play up. But if, if you're going you're topping th- out three innings in Syracuse, you're not going to go six in the bigs. Yeah, but I think if you're going two to three out of the pen. That can translate. No, absolutely. And I think more often than not, a lot of these starters do have stuff that can play up out of the pen. Definitely. So, I mean, the pitching depth is interesting. I don't know how they're going to go about it. It'll it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, we're I think we saw last year Zach Scott was very willing to look outside the organization to hold down the fort. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw it with Billy McKinney. Yeah, who just got DFA'd by the way. Yeah, Thomas Dashman, Syracuse. Yeah. But you know, McKinney came in, held down the fort. But when it was time to move on, it was time to move on. Yeah, I think it's probably something we see maybe Billy Epler and company do is find guys that can hold down the fort. And then when it's time to revert back to the regulars, or if you get to July and it's time 
to go make a big splash, you know, go get go get a Mark Melanson or whoever, mm-hmm. then you'd hope they're not afraid to go do that. And yeah, we and know we know Billy won't do, be. They just don't do what Brody did and they trade like a 12th organizational prospect for Wilmer Font. Hopefully that's not what they do. I wonder, <laughs> well, Wilmer, hey, Wilmer Font during the lockout threw nine in the third perfect innings in the KBO. That good for him. <laughs> that's kind of nuts though nine well, listen no it's not nine in a third it's, it's nuts but you know what i mean. imagine throwing nine perfect innings and you don't get the win matt harvey almost did that against the white harvey, Sox in one game matt harvey almost did a lot of things uh, well he did do a lot of things yeah and segue and segue chris bassett <laughs> but we do need to talk about chris bassett um extension talk because again a lot of these pitchers, a lot of these arms may not be here next year. And Chris Bassett, who you traded to, to highly touted prospect in the organization for, is going to be a free agent at, at the end of the year. And he's now, for the first time, showing a willingness to resign and be here long term. He is 33, but he's been arguably potentially your, your best starter this year. And he's going deep in games all, all the time. He's, and he's, he's keeping insanely in consistent. the game, too. He's, he's incredibly reliable. consistent. Reliable, consistent. He's not the guy that's going to pump 100. He's not going to strike out a ton of guys, but he's finding ways to miss bats. And when they do find the bats, it's nine times out of 10, it's soft contact. And again, he's keeping you in games. And what more can you ask for from a number two or three starter in your rotation? So I think it's a no-brainer, especially for what you gave up for him and the way your outlook of your rotation is looking as of right now for the future. That's someone you have to keep. If you give him a three-year deal, you just need to get this done and preferably do this before the before the end of the season. No, yeah, absolutely. I think he's a guy you almost have to keep around. Yeah. I mean, like, if you trade for a guy like that, you have the intention of keeping him. Yes, absolutely. And I think JT Ginn is good enough of a prospect that if you do move him, um, that if you do move him, you have to you do move for him you have to be able to keep him around because i mean it's an i want to say invaluable but you see the enormous value there right i mean you need those type of anchors in your rotation like i'll liken it to bartolo the years the mets were going on playoff runs you know there were some guys definitely changing around him there were names going in and out on and off the il up and down but he was the constant and I think that type of arm that is going to anchor and hold in place. And I think we all agree Chris Bassett is probably better than Bartolo Colon was for the Mets. <laughs> I don't think that's a question. But like that type of arm is really important. Yeah. I think especially for a Mets team when you have guys on a lot of guys in expiring contracts are coming up soon. I mean, DeGrom is likely going to opt out. Cookie is an option. Taiwan, I think, is a player option. Mm-hmm. Or Cookie's a vesting option. You got Scherzer, who's got two guaranteed years, then an option. That's important. So I think if you can get Bassett for anywhere but for three years, anywhere between 45 and 60 million. Yeah. Again, the only one that you can rotation, they have any sort of certainty past this year. Again, besides Scherzer, because you know he's here next year. Yeah, it's Peterson and McGill. It's Peterson and McGill. And we don't know. Peter, Peterson might be, get traded. Let's be honest. Peterson might be the first one out the door because yeah, he's no. showing that he has some value. He, I think he's like 10. I was checking on baseball reference. I think David Peterson is in the top 10 in, in, in war on this team right now. He's only made like four starts. So that shows the value that he's already brought to the table this year. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder. He's pitching fantastic. And he's when he pitches, he's shutting teams down. So that's that's someone that could very easily be a highly valued asset towards a trade deadline, or that's someone where you try to package him and I don't know one of the the, the mid tier prospects to get a bat, get an arm, send him to I don't know who, send him wherever. Yeah, yeah. It, no, it's it's possible. No, yeah. I think especially you need to keep has a, yeah, and he has and Pearson has a track record of major league success. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll it's gonna be really interesting to see how they go about it. I don't think there really is a cut and dry answer. You know, I think you have to trust the people the Mets have in place to, you know, run these numbers, take what the numbers mean, and interpret them the best they can. But I don't, 
I don't think there's a lot behind the numbers to Bassett. I think it's pretty clear what he is and pretty right. clear how valuable he is without having to know the variables and, you know, the situations that are run. Yeah, he's he's an analytic darling, but he's also someone that very easily passes the eye test. Yeah. And he, he goes by every cliche in the book. He's a bulldog. He's a gamer. He's, he's all- coming, man. He said it himself. He's coming. He doesn't matter the name on the front or the back of the jersey. He's coming. That's some great meme material. I mean, that was just awesome. How that hasn't been used more with all the insanity that this team has put the, put the fans through. Like, how that wasn't all over Twitter after the Phillies comeback. It was comeback. for a night. But, yeah, the night that he said it. But... No, after, I know what you mean. Yeah. After Marte hit the hit the double to give the Mets the lead, how all of Mets Twitter just wasn't Chris Bassett saying I'm coming is beyond I do, me. I do think we need to take a moment. Mm-hmm. We do need to do a one year out reflection. Okay. We are a little over a year removed now from Rat and Raccoon. Oh my God, that's right. I do think we need to take a moment just to look and see how far we've come as a fan base and as a franchise. Yeah. Since, admittedly, Zach Scott leaked that Francisco Lindor choked out and punched Jeff McNeil in the tunnel, Mm -hmm. I think this team has come a very far away. Yeah. Long gone are the days of getting excited over Pat Mazika hitting opposite field, five-foot dribblers that, for some reason, the other team didn't see coming. Walk-off fielder's choices, back-to-back games. Mazika magic. (laughs) Mazika mania, whatever the hell they called it. Oh, God. he's. I was looking at the Syracuse stats the other day. He's like, he's not doing well. <laughs> One of their best hitters. I mean, in the nicest way possible, the Syracuse team struggles mm-hmm. in a lot of different facets. They don't pitch well, and they don't hit well, which is not a great combination. That's a problem. <laughs> but I mean, like, they have two of their qualified hitters. They have two guys with an OPS over 700. Daniel Palka, who's hit, got a 972 OPS. I'll give it to him. That man's hitting taters left and right. He's got eight homers. That's what he does. That's tied for the organizational lead with Carlos Dominguez yeah. in St. Lucie. Wyatt Young has an 883 OPS. He was optioned to double A today or yesterday. And coming at third is Mark Viento, 675. Third. Travis Blankenhorn, 566. I Carlos Cortez. forgot about Blankenhorn. I thought they got rid of him. I did too. Carlos Cortez, <laughs> 561. Khalil Lee, 474. Oh, that's your boy. That's your boy. I'm a Nick Plummer guy. Oh, you moved on from Khalil Lee? I was never huge on the bandwagon because he misses a lot. He misses you a lot of pitches. started the free Lee. Well, yeah, they needed to call him up last year because he was already <laughs> up. They're just wasting service time. Yeah. But no, I'm more of a Nick Plummer guy. Okay. But no, they're, um, they struggle, man. That's they not great. Struggle. I mean, Carlos Rincon has a 708 OPS. Okay. Even Nick Plummer only has around like an eight, like a 795, a little under 800. Quinn, like Nick Mayer, the catcher, got like an 800. Got a great porn stash though. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's brutal down there, man. It's not great, Bob. It's it is. Great. It is brutal. How do we even start on this? Oh, Mazika. Yeah, we're reflecting on you later. Yeah, and, and it was one of the things I actually looked at yesterday, so it's funny that you brought that up. The comparisons between this team and last year's team are, obviously they're there because they got up to the big lead, they're in first place for a long time, the hot start, blah, 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 blah. So right now, they have a six-game lead in the division. At this point last year, do you know what the lead was? I guess a game and a half. That's dead on. <laughs> it was well, a game it felt and a like half they were. Lead. I felt like they were winning a lot of games early, but also felt like Philly overachieved early last year. Yeah, maybe. that's a good point. Yeah. I think I don't think Washington had gotten hot just yet. No. <laughs> but, like, no. And it was just like you were winning games 3-2. And Atlanta was obviously under 500. All right, you were winning games 3-2 to two because you're getting a little duck farts from Jose Peraza and mm. whatever. Whereas I've been saying it time and time again. The Mets are winning this year because of established players and guys you are expecting to help you win. Last year, they felt like they were winning in, because of happenstance. Sure. You know, you're winning situationally. I mean, the only guy from last year, like from the replace Mets, who has really kind of sustained his success elsewhere has been Brandon Drury. 
who's been great for the Reds. Dude, he's got like a 950 OPS. I'm a jury guy, man. <laughs> like, he's the lone bright spot in Cincinnati. Uh, him and Tyler Stevenson. Everything yeah. else has just gone to shit there. No, it's awful. Lucas Sims was one of the guys that I wanted the Mets to trade for. His ear, He had like two scoreless innings, and that lowered his ERA to 11. So <laughs> that kind of shows where he's at. Luis Castillo, I, I hope to God he puts off a good month of Tyler May. Tyler Mail too. And they, they ship him out to anywhere. Wherever. Yeah. T- Tyler Mail too, man. Yeah, he's been bad. But I think, no, I mean, you're winning legitimate games. You are winning yeah. games, and you're, and you're beating good teams. It's not like the Mets were going 7-10 and 10 against, you know, you beat up on the Rockies and you beat up on the Braves, and then you struggle here and there with San Francisco, but it's right. all right because you split. Like, you're, you're beating good teams. You're winning tough competitive games, and, like, your comeback wins aren't because, oh, so-and-so throws it away, and then – a balk, and then they lose command on the mound. Like Chicago yesterday. Right. You're winning legitimate games. Right. And even the games you come back, it's not like they weren't hitting the ball against Philly. They just started hitting piss missiles left and they right. They were hitting the – you hit – yeah. you hit, Yeah. Hitting straight up piss missiles. No, I mean, Everybody. the ninth inning, I mean, you're hitting piss missiles left and right. I mean, I, I, I was sitting next to my dad, and I, I look at him, I'm like, that might be the hardest ball J.D. Davis has hit all year. I think it was. But that was that was a missile off the bat, and you got Lindor's bomb and Nimmo with a hard hit ball. Mark, I don't know how Marte's ball didn't get, leave the yard. Oh my god! I don't know how first. Mark Hanna's ball didn't take Corey Knebel's leg off. Right, no, they're hitting that was the a ball. Seed. Right, I mean, they're still there's some of them are still hitting the ball on the ground, but they're hitting the ball hard. Yeah, at least that ninth inning. Maybe overall, maybe not so much. I have to give one person a shadow for that game, though. We need to talk about Starling Marte in that game. Because he led off that ninth inning. It was 7-1. to one. That felt he, a lot he, to me like, you remember, I think, I think it was a playoff game with the Dodgers. The Mets had a big inning game three. And Yoan Cespedes led off that inning with a little, he put one in the five and a half hole. It's beat it out going The beat yeah. it out. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I, I was there. He beat it out, just hauling ass down the first base. Then Travis Darno ended up going yard. Then Cespedes right. goes yard the next inning. They go up 10-3. to three. I mean, it happens. Like, if you just haul ass, that was my biggest qualm with Robbie Cano. The dude would like jog to first oh, with the bat, and he just sucked. Well, he would. He's jog officially to... released, by the way. For those, yeah, of you thank God. Know. He would like just jog to first with the bat in his hand, like Bartolo <sighs> Colon used to. I mean, how many? I'm so times... happy he's gone, man. Holy hell! But it was just no. I mean, Marte starting to turn around a little bit. I think you gotta be. He's still in the ball on the ground too much. I checked it on Fairgrounds yesterday. He's. He's hitting the ball on the ground, I think it was 53% of the time, which is a What's little this? high, especially for to live a pure 30-30 potential. But, again, it was 7-1 to one to lead off the ninth inning. He hit a ground ball to third. It wasn't like a like a slow dribbler. It was like a standard ground ball to third. He could have dogged it. But he hustled it out, beat out the single, and here we are. Next thing you know, it's 8-7. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And then they come back, they bat around, and then he, I still don't know how that ball didn't move the yard. Damn. Yeah, no, dead I balls mean, or whatever. But I was in the same game, man. I, I was just talking to my friends, and next thing I know, I look up, Lindor hits one to Jupiter, and then I look up again, and it's second and third, it's another rundown. And then I look up again, and there's Marte hitting a double and giving Mets the lead. Absolutely crazy. No, I mean, I'm it, it was nuts. I do now, think we have to. Oops, sorry, go ahead. I'll say, I do think we got to look at the next seven. Yeah. Next, next six. Got, got a day off coming up. I, I don't, I, I, I never know when they have days off. Neither do I. I, I just wake up and I'm like, so. today's Tuesday. Just checked. <laughs> Could have fooled me. But yeah, next six. Three with Washington, three at Seattle. No announced starters yet for the Mets for this Washington series. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you I mean, know you'll get McGill and Bassett, and I think probably right. Carrasco. Right. I think it's figuring out what. I mean, McGill lines up for today, but I think Carrasco does too. Yes, we'll see how that. I personally, I think I think I would go with Carrasco first. Okay. Just because I don't an older arm who's a little bit more fragile, I think you know McGill especially keep him on that rest on that right, normal I, rest. And I think especially that McGill's coming off a career high in innings. You could probably use an extra day off early. Don't want Maybe. to push it too hard. I mean, I think that might be the best course of action. I, I think it's 
don't know. I think it's a little early to play the extra rest game for me. If this were July, I could see that argument. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, I think you're still all things all things go right. I think you're probably still getting 30, 29 starts out of him in general. Because I do think at some point you do you might like try and find a spot start for someone else to get him some rest here and there. I would agree. Yeah. Especially, you know, the the just the the inning load he had last year that he's never had before. Through what? Like one one eighty in that in that range, all told? I have no idea, but it it, it was a lot. Yeah. Um regardless though. And honestly, whoever's pitching. It could be us two pitching in a game. You'd still need to find a way to just absolutely bury the Nationals. Because we talked about it before. After this stretch of games in it's tough. mid to late May, it's... you're going through a month-long, not just a stretch, a month-long gauntlet. And that's going to be a real measuring stick to see yeah. where you're at as a team. No, you, can I mean, go I... into July, you can go into June with a 15-game lead, and that can not disappear. You could be down to six or seven in no time. That could be decimated by the end of June. No, I, th- I think you just have to pile up on Washington and Philly. You got Philly again coming up. And when you play one Miami, more at home, beat Miami. Right. Yeah. But I just, I'm just looking, I'm thinking in terms of the rest of May. You got this series with Washington. You have Seattle. You have St. Louis in Denver in San Francisco. Then I think Philly, Washington. And then you start June. There are a couple of series where you can get fat. You need to get fat. You can in those get series. fat with both Washington series. Mm-hmm. You can probably get fat at home with Philly. I think, and I I know we talked Maybe about Saint how Lewis? it can be tough to get fat in Colorado, but that's a team I don't care where you're playing. It, it, this team still should not, still be able to beat them. Yeah, and they're still not on the same level as the Mets. No, no, they're not. And listen, Austin Gomber, it, his ro- home road splits are wild, as are most Colorado players. If you get those guys in Colorado, you need to take advantage of them. Hit 15 home runs in one game for all I care. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you got – that's supposed to take care of business. Yeah. You're the better team for a reason. Yeah. If your payroll's near 300 million, you need to take care of business of the, of the lower tier. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard to exactly preview Washington not knowing exactly who you're seeing. Right. But I, I'm pretty sure um, – What's his name? Adon? Adon? Joanna Adon. The guy that along yeah. with the Grand Slam off of. Yeah, him and Corbin are both top six in the NL and worst ERAs of qualified starters. And the other star that they're seeing, the only reason why he's not there is because they're picking up innings. And Aaron Sanchez, who apparently is still pitching in the year 2022. Yeah, Annabelle. I mean, they just talk about running it back for no good reason. <laughs> Like, but I mean that—that's that's what I'm that's saying. It's a, it shouldn't matter who. Right it shouldn't matter who you're pitching. If you're facing three guys that have ERAs over five and a half or six, you should sweep. You should. The Mets should sweep the series. You take two out of three, like always. Like we said, we've said a million times. Win the series, and I'm fine. Win the series, and I'm fine. But you got that. You have Jared Kelnick's return to New York, and that's that's what that's the story here. We should we can kind of move on from Washington and go to the weekend series against Seattle. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a whole lot of looking back and turning back the clock to the whole Diaz and Cano trade for Jared Kalnick. There's other players in there, but let's be honest. They're yeah, kind no of one, irrelevant at this no point. No one misses Anthony Swarzak. Or Anthony Swarzak and Jay Bruce are out of the league. I have no idea where Gershon Batista is. Justin Dunn got traded to, to Cincinnati. Is he even in their rotation? He's hurt. There you go. Yeah. I'm, I know you're shocked, but he's injured. And the only one that's only ones that are playing right now are Diaz and Kalnick. Kalnick had a, I think he had like a four game hitting streak to raise his batting average. So 152, which is good. Listen, I'm rooting for the kid. I know yeah, there's a, a, I a, lot, a lot of Mets Twitter, a lot of Mets fans kind of hope for his downfall to make the trade look better, which one, that's wrong. And two, it's still not going <laughs> to. You still don't trade something of that value for something of that little value, regardless of how you. And I said this to you before we started recording. Edwin Diaz can live up to my prediction and have 55 saves. Edwin Diaz could be the best closer in baseball. Edwin Diaz can sign a multi-year contract with the Mets and continue to be a absolutely phenomenal closer. He Jared can be the Kalnick best closer in team history. He can be a history. career 220 hitter. 
it's still a bad trade. I was talking with this about talking about this with Mike Mayer. I mean, you don't know. You'll never know how Kelnick would have been for the Nets. Mm-hmm. You just won't. I mean, we, we see the Dodgers do this time and time again of taking someone else's cast-offs and castaways, putting them into their player development system, and suddenly Justin Turner's like a borderline Dodgers Hall of Famer. Max Muncy was in MVP conversations for a year. Like, they've done it before. Chris Taylor. It again. Chris Taylor. I mean, he was a cast-off from Seattle. You, They take good player development systems, find a way. Mm-hmm. And for what it's worth, the Mets have had a pretty decent one with their with outfielders. Sure. I mean, Nimmo has become – it's one thing to be a first-round draft pick. It's another thing to put in the work and get developed in the way to become we – like, we're seeing it with Kalnick right now. It's very easy to bomb out. Yeah. It's very easy to become a bust. So I think we are seeing kind of the product of being in someone else's player development system. You'll and never, here's another thing about that trade. Edwin Diaz is, what, 28 at this point? How old is Diaz? 28, 29. We'll call him 28. I could be wrong. Sure. Closers have a – let's call it. They, they have a pretty short lifespan. No, I mean – the Jared Kalnick is 22. He had two full years of development, kind of spurned because of COVID. So he was playing like in the taxi league, whatever the hell they're calling it, in the instructional league. He wasn't getting real at-bats in minor league systems. And then when they kind of picked it up, he played a little bit in AAA. They called him up because he was mashing the ball, and he hasn't really had the proper development to to fit a major league lifestyle. No, so, I and, think and with all the that, hype that he had on him, he hasn't lived up to it. Obviously, I think the pressure got to him. At times, it looks like he kind of he's trying to put it together and figure it out, but he hasn't been able to put together streaks and stretches of success. He's twenty two. He could have a ten year career for all we know. Yeah, and the reason. And do you remember all the chatter around him getting called up because he was? Of course I do. Because he, he killed it. He killed it in spring training and still got. It would have been like if they optioned Julio this year, right? But I mean, I think another thing you have to realize is yes, it hasn't worked out for him so far in the big leagues. But he, the parts of his game, like the secondary stuff, is there. He's got yeah. a good eye. He might strike out a lot, but that's kind of good eye. He's got a good eye, and he's an elite defensive right fielder. The fact that he could hit 130 and still have a a plus war shows everything that it, he's a phenomenal base runner. He's got good speed. He steals bags whenever he does get on the bases. And as you said, he is a plus plus defender. Yeah, no, and I he's 22. <laughs> like if you're ready to close the door on him, that's just a you problem. That's a you problem. Like, I mean, the Mets Mets fans are ready to call it quits on Michael Conforto after 2016. And then mm-hmm. he's an all-star in 2017. I mean, Brandon Nimmo was a fourth outfielder until last year. And now suddenly he's one of the best center fielders in baseball. Right. That's what happens when, if you close, if you're going to close the door too early. Like, look at Mike Trout's first couple of years. Look at yeah. Mike Schmidt's first couple of years. You want to talk about guys that were awful. Mike Schmidt no, I, in his first two years had like 135. Yeah. No, I, it's Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's foolish to be giving up on guys this early. Yeah. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, and you are, you don't become a touted prospect for no reason. It's not just for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. And for Seattle to keep on putting him out there every day, he's still playing every day. Yeah. I mean, like, Seattle look, still believes in him and they're still look, seeing something. Look at, look at Taylor Ward. Yeah. I mean, the dude had his highest career OPS before this year was in 280 at bats last year, which was 770. Mm-hmm. So far, he's got a 675 slugging. He's got six <laughs> homers, 19 walks. He's hitting 364 and getting on at 490. First round pick in 2015. Yeah. After four years where it just wasn't clicking. Up and down, up and down, up and down. So, I mean, he'll probably get booed. People oh, get booed. People are stupid. Yeah, and I'll be oh, there so Saturday, and I'll be the people. I'll be one of the people telling everyone to shut the hell up because it just it makes no sense to boom. What did he they, do to this organization? Help you get Edwin Diaz. He helped you get Edwin Diaz. Yeah. If that's something you want to boo, Godspeed. Weird flex, but okay. Bring to bring that one back real quick. Exactly. 
It's just. But besides Kalnick, Seattle is a interesting team. They're underperforming right now. I think they're 12 and 16, something like that. But, and they just got mopped by Philly yesterday. But they're an interesting yeah. team. A lot, a lot, a lot of young talent. George Kirby yeah. just got called up. Julio Rodriguez is starting to put together. Kirby he just was had a great. great game. He was fantastic. The first pitcher in Mariners history to have six plus shutout innings in their debut. So that's, that's including Randy Johnson. That's including Felix Hernandez. That's including some very good pitchers. Logan Gilbert. Not Logan to throw Gilbert him in that conversation, one. but he's he's insane right now. Yeah. I don't ERA leader. I don't know how he lines up, but I think the Mets see him. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. That would not, not be fun. But there's there's a three and five chance the Mets see him. Yeah, so. and I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to be seeing Kirby because he picks Sunday, so he'll he'll line up for Friday. Yep. So to lead off the series, it'll be. Is it going to be Max Scherzer versus George Kirby? I almost called him Wayne Kirby against George Kirby. I think Wayne Kirby feels more like batting practice. <laughs> Absolutely. I have to look that up. Maybe that would be something. That would be nuts. That Friday game, come on, phone. Uh, it's right now. It just says TBD versus TBD, but there it might go. be Kirby versus Scherzer to start off the se- uh, the series, which would be fun as hell. No, that would be awesome. I'm not disagreeing one bit. Yeah. So, I think that could probably lead us into some hot takes. I think it definitely can. Would you like to uh, want to lead <laughs> it off? Are you going Washington or, or Seattle here? I'm gonna go Seattle. Okay. I'm going to say Jared Kelnick goes yard in his first at-bat oh, at City Field. you son of a bitch. You could go a step beyond and tell me Edwin Diaz is going to blow a save on a Jared Kelnick home run. But I think I just I think it makes it makes too much sense. I it mean, makes way too much sense. Sports are scripted. Come on. But to go back real quick just to see their their pitching matchups. I'm assuming, because if it was Kirby on Sunday, then he would pitch Friday. Yesterday was our good old friend, Chris Flexen, so he would pitch Saturday. And today for Seattle is reigning AL Cy Young, Robbie Ray. So you're going to get Gilbert, Flexen, and Ray. You're going to get Kirby, Flexen, and Ray. Or Kirby, not Gilbert. All right, so you're missing Gilbert, which is you're good. missing. You're missing Gilbert, which you luck out there. But you're not getting a whole lot of luck outside of that. I think you like your chances in the Flexen game, but... Can you be very confident in the other ones? The past couple of years, the Mets have been terrible against lefties. And Kirby's electric. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll see. Um, so, you took mine. Damn. You can always go with Washington. You don't have to be cool like me. Oh, I mean, that's going to be boring. Damn, so I'm yeah. stumped here. So I gotta have more than one man. Oh, man, I didn't think we were gonna go with the exact one that I had. It was too obvious. It was obvious. It, it's too obvious. <sighs> okay, so if Kalnick goes goes bridge in his first game, the following game, Edwin Diaz is going to get the save with the last out being against Kalnick. It's boring. It's bland. No, this series is going to have all sorts of undertones from that. But trip. it's it's all got to be Diaz Kalnick because Cano's not there because, again, he finally got released because I – Yeah, and Dunn's gone from the Dunn's Swat. in Cincinnati. Gershon Batista, does anyone know – can we do a, a, a welfare check on, on Gershon Batista? And Gershon Batista. He's pitching in the Mexican League. There you go. So, again, yeah, I mean, as the story goes, you know, the Met Brody negotiated down from Jeff McNeil to Garrison Batista. Well, let's keep perspective on that. You know, but they also threw in Jared Kelman. Yeah. All right. I think those are good ones. Again, are, are they most exciting? No, but. You got to know there's all sorts of undertones. You have in this to know game, when Seattle's series. coming to town, it's going to be about those two. No, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be about those two because that's the story. 
Another great segue, talking about prospects. Oh, I'm, yeah. in Port, I'm in Port St. Lucie this weekend covering the St. Lucie Mets, and I think they're playing the Clearwater Tigers. Covering it for Mets Miners, I'll be down there. Mets Miners and Mets Marized, I will be down there. Um, I'm excited. I have not checked the pitching matchups yet because it's minor league baseball, and those can change at any given second. Yeah. Um, most everyone's still in St. Lucie, thankfully. They haven't made any. That's a fun team. I think they're like 18-9 and nine right now. But they haven't take. I'm sure Ian Newton just got promoted to Brooklyn, but that's about it. Um, and your 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 miners recap to make you sound smart with all your friends. Don't check in on Syracuse. <laughs> Francisco Alvarez is down to 207 on the year. Ooh. He him and Beatty are slumping, man. You know that's why How's you don't. Boy Alex Ramirez doing? Worked out of a slump. He's pretty hot right now. He was just named the Florida State League Player of the Week. There you go. Um, no, I mean, 2003. Ugh. He's younger than me. But if you want to sound smart with all your friends, check out St. Lucie. Go look at that Brooklyn infield. That Brooklyn infield now has last year's, I think, fourth-round pick JT Schwartz at first. Wilmer Reyes is a dude. That man hits some tanks. Mm. He's on the infield. You got Shervian Newton there now. You still have Jalen Palmer in second. Or he's playing center, but he's getting some infield work too. Jose Peroza. Not Peraza. Not to be confused. No, Jose Peraza's their third baseman, another decent prospect. And, you know, Brooklyn's, I'm going to guess for most of our listening base, Brooklyn's probably the closest team. They yeah. support minor league baseball. They got some good pitching there, too. Yeah. They I got some so. good pitching. And, you know, I feel like most teams every Friday night is like $1 beer, $2 hot dogs. <laughs> so go get hammered. <laughs> go, go get walk, hammered. Go watch the down team. like four francs. Yeah. And be kicked out in the seventh inning. <laughs> I mean, parking is probably, what, like 10 bucks, So you can go to a game, even. spend $30, get hammered, enjoy a game. That's See easier, the future. That's easier than it, most but... nights out at bars. <laughs> yeah. That's cheaper than most nights out of the bar. Far cheaper, especially in, in this area. You kidding me? I uh, See, I don't know what it's like. I know the college bars down here, you can... Well, you don't know anything about college bars, sir, because you're, you're, what, 20? You haven't had a sip of alcohol in your life. I am 19. I get my, I got my black X's, and I go in and stand in the corner. That's right. You drink your apple juice, and that's it. You're in saying the prayer. I'm, I'm saying prayers for everyone. Of course, yeah, yeah. And then you go into the ball pit, something like that. That's how it oh, that works. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Um, you know, I think we need to do something kind of spice things up. We, I think we need a dude counter because you, you said he's a dude about someone. We need Wilmer a dude Reyes. counter. I'm gonna give team. you like, I can give you like a dude for every team in the system. Starting with the major league Mets. Yeah, let, let's let's because there's definitely some some dudes on this roster. Let's run through those real quick and then we'll sign off. I Lindor's think a dude. I was gonna Alonzo's say I think, a dude. I think if you're giving two dudes for the Mets right now, it's probably Drew Smith and Starling Marte. You know what Alonzo is. You know Alonzo's whatever, but Marte is absolutely yoked. Can probably run like a four four forty. Probably has a cannon. Drew Smith is striking everyone out left and right. See, Drew Smith and is doing mine. it. See, and he's doing it when he looks like his balls haven't dropped yet. I, we haven't had a player guest on yet. I will do everything in my power to be the to have Drew Smith be the first player on this podcast. That because that that is my freaking dude. I've been on the Drew Smith bandwagon for quite some time. I started Drew Smith season. That's my years dude. ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he is a dude. I think if you got two dudes on this team, you're probably looking at – it's probably those guys. You're going Marte over Tyler McGill? Yes. Okay. I respect it. I'm not going to argue it because if I do argue it, Marte can kill me. <laughs> so. No, I mean, that's a dude. That's a dude. Triple no, for sure. If you're looking for a dude in Syracuse. Is Daniel Palco the only dude in Syracuse? Daniel Palk is a monster, man. That dude, <laughs> that, that dude could be like an undersized defensive end. He could. Or an outside linebacker. Like right. that's, a, that's a large man. That is a large man. Yeah. So he'll be my dude for Syracuse. Okay. Pitching-wise, not even going to touch that. I guess uh, David Peterson. I'll, I'll go Colin Holderman. All right. That's okay. a dude. That's a dude. Touching one-on-one with the flow. Yeah. It's like throwback mid-2010s Mets. There you go. Binghamton, Jose Buteau. 
is a dude. Keep okay. behind the name. On the 40 to keep him from the Rule 5, he's pitching great. Yeah. Even My dogs hear me talking about him, and now they're losing their shit. Oh, yeah. They're, they're excited. Jose they want to hear about Jose Buta. I mean, he keep an eye on him. I mean, he's not too far down the pitching depth, the pitching depth chart, I guess. Hmm. Like, he's on the 40, so he automatically has that going for him. He's got like a low three in Binghamton. He strikes a lot of dudes out, has good control, pretty good stuff. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in Syracuse sometime soon before sure. the summer's like beginning of summer, late spring. I mean, if they call up Holderman, they can just put him in triple A. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think offensively, Ronnie Mauricio is the dude in Binghamton right now. That's been my dude for a while. Hell he, yeah. I mean, the, eye, the discipline, the approach, and the defense will always be a question, but the bat never will, and the bat will always play more than anything else. I mean, 99 at, 99 at bats into the year. He's hitting 263. Got a 742 OPS, which is about what he did last year, but 263 with a 444 slugging. I mean, three homers, He's also nine doubles, six stolen bases. I mean, it's it's starting to look good for him, especially in an offseason where a lot of people talk about moving him. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always that's always good. Brooklyn, not a lot going there offensively. <laughs> no, I'll give it to you. Now that he's there, Shervian Newton. Okay. He's he's a guy that if you started like looking at prospects a little bit after the Mets started to get bad at following the World Series and all that, he was a guy you saw who was like with the Vientos and the Mauricio down in down in Colombia when that was a team. Oh yeah. But that's just has not panned out well for him. But he was killing it in St. Lucie. I mean, he's somehow still only 23. He's 6'4. That's that's a pretty big build for a shortstop. Yeah, that's big. But he was hitting 298, 375, and the page refreshed. And <laughs> 548 in St. Lucie, four homers, nine doubles, 13 extra base hits. I mean, it's pretty good. Not much of a, you know, he's not like your prototypical shortstop where you think you're still have a little speed in there despite power and all that. He's definitely more of like a bat first guy. Sure. But, you know, a 923 OPS is nothing to really. No, absolutely not. Head at. That's, that's nothing to shake your head at. Pitching wise in Brooklyn. Oh. His name is slipping my mind. I mean, Brooklyn started off kind of slow, but. They're, 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 they're working their way back in. I mean, I think it's a fun team. Granted, it's minor league baseball. They're all fun teams, especially if you kind yeah. of enjoy prospects and all that. But I think Brooklyn is an exciting offense with guys that are definitely worth keeping an eye on, especially like a Jalen Palmer. If Jalen Palmer can just start hitting baseball, making contact, that man is going to shoot up some boards. But I think if you're looking at Brooklyn pitching-wise – I mean, Oscar Rojas has been pretty good looking at it right now. That's the name I couldn't think of. 25, a little under 25 innings on the year, only five earned, 26 strikeouts, only four walks in 25, which is, I mean, when you see a lot of these high strikeout minor league guys, you don't see a lot of, you don't see a lot of control. Too. Right, yeah, you don't see a lot of control. He's been pretty good. Jose Chassin has been good too. Um, so I'll, I'll give it to Rojas. He's my dude for All right. He's my dude for Brooklyn. St. Lucie. Alex Ramirez, man. I think he's pushing – he was pushing 400 for a while. I mean, he is – he is legit, folks. And again, born in 2003. He is stupid young. Makes I me was feel, <laughs> I was one. <laughs> he is stupid young. Um – you know, I just, I, it's a long term center fielder. He's hitting 385 right now. Wow. He's still pushing 400 then. And he, and he already got in and worked his way out of a slump. Like, that's legit. His K rate's under 20%. That's legit, fellas. I mean, nine doubles, four triples, two homers, but he's only struck out 20 times in 104 at bats. He's only got, Five walks in the year, so he's sitting about 110 plate appearances with 20 strikeouts, which is good. I mean, I think a lot of times when you yeah. see guys like him that fit his mold, especially in the lower levels, you're gonna see a lot. Of, you're gonna see a lot of strikeouts and not a mm-hmm. lot of walks. Not a lot of walks, but the strikeouts aren't as high as you'd think. Yeah, I think you also got to look at. I mean, I'm gonna talk about my man Carlos Dominguez for a second. Go for it. Got a 563 slugging, eight homers so far. 
he just hits absolute piss missiles. I mean, you want to talk about it. I mean, he, it gets, I think his phrase gets thrown around a lot, but when he makes contact, it's loud. Right. But he's he, definitely noise I, off the bat kind of thing. Right. And it's not like a wow, he's going to be a superstar. You know, he's like, he's 23 and he's still in the Florida State League. Mm-hmm. But when he makes contact, nine times out of 10, it's a piss missile. I mean, it's, it's loud stuff, a violent swing with a lot of natural power. I think he's the next guy you could see jumped up to Brooklyn. We like that. And, you know, that's something I'm going to have to deal with as I start to go down and see. Yeah. I put out a tweet earlier about some of the long – you know, I think in the minor league games, especially in St. Louis, you get a lot of, like, shortened starts and then long relief guys lined For up. sure, yeah. I put out something about four St. Lucie relievers, or five, and their combined stats so far. Let me quickly pull it up because it's, it's pretty nuts. Carson Seymour, Daniel Juarez, Nathan Lavender, Keyshawn Askew, Dylan Hall. Five guys. Seymour has one earned run in 20 total innings. As a combined unit, seven earned run in 71 and two-third innings. 81 strikeouts. 0.88 ERA with probably an 11 or 12K per night out of those five arms. Yeah, you like that. Unless <laughs> you could not. That's, I mean, low earned runs, high Ks. That's all you can really ask for, especially at that low of a developmental level. Oh, yeah. I'm the, the last year's draft class is starting to Kumar Rocker aside. It's looking good. I mean, Mike Vassell, he's my dude. He's I mean, my dude I overall. When, when you first came on the show, the first episode that we did, you said that the organization loved that draft class from top to bottom. And there are some unsung superstars in this draft class that we may not hear for a couple of years. I am um, when I you, you were starting to see the the dividends of that. When I when I interviewed Mark Tremuda in the summer. He said one guy that really stuck out was Mike Vassell. And he had right. a scout text him like, I don't know how Vassell didn't go in the second round or how you managed to get him in the eighth. Right. And we're starting to see it from Vassell so far. I mean, 22 innings so far. He's made five starts, a 2.86 ERA, 20 Ks. He's still hitting 96, 97. He had a big arm injury in high school, but he's straightened it out. Like, I think that's what you can see a lot more of these 20 round drafts. Mm. You know, with 40 rounds, you see a lot of guys like, like, you remember when the year they took Allen, they also took Hunter Barco, right. like the 37th round, as protection for if you don't sign Allen. You right, then right. go and throw the same money at Barco and whatever. You're not going to see a lot more of that. You're going to see a lot more of taking guys that you feel a lot more com- – like, it's like it's like the – do you want the higher ceiling or the lower floor? You know, sure, rounds right. – like, in, in the later rounds, you're going to see a lot more of the lower floor type guys. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it might limit some of the potential, but you're you're going to have guys – that you're going to feel far more comfortable will make an impact. How big of an impact? You don't know. But you won't have as much of, well, if he, if he bombs, he's going to bomb, and he's, he's not going to make it out of – he's not going to make it out of double A. Mm-hmm. But if he makes it, he's going to be a legitimate MLB contributor. But I think you're going to see a lot more guys that are going to make make it, you know, through double A, through triple A, 40-man roster guys. But that's all you can really ask out of, like, late, especially late-round picks. I mean, right. not everyone's going to be a Seth Lugo coming out of the 34th round or whatever it was. Right. You're going to see a lot more of guys that are going to make immediate impacts and immediately make names for themselves. I mean, Dominic Campbell, Calvin Ziegler, Carson Seymour, Keyshawn Askew, Christian Scott's going to be making his debut soon. You have a lot of guys that are going to make impacts and you're going to read and hear about. And I mean, I think you might even see like relief prospects kind of start to become a thing. I think that's, that's going to be next, the next kind of wave of thing to come. We talked about it when the Mets have the no-hitter. We're not going to see a whole lot of individual no-hitters anymore. So there's going to be a lot more emphasis on developing relief pictures. So we could very easily see something like that soon. No, I, I think the days of guys like a Seth Lugo, uh, and like an Andrew Miller, for example, like guys who are a legitimate Ooh. starter. Collision in Oakland. Chad Pender just took a knee straight to the forehead. Oh. Mm. Like, One of those outfielder coming in, shorts up, going out. Pinder went for a head first slide. Andrew's knee to his forehead. So true. Yeah. Oh. Oh. But trying to stay on topic. You don't want to put that image in your head for too long. Oh, yep. Keep going about whoever you're talking about. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a lot more emphasis, emphasis on like the relief guys. Yeah. 
because especially as starters start to go shorter and shorter in games, you're going to see a lot more emphasis on guys who can come up and give you 40, 50 pitches out of the bullpen. Yeah. But, but like routinely, not like, absolutely not like a give you 40, 50 and then take four nights off. Give you 40, 50, come back two, three days later, do the same thing. Yeah. Kind of like what, um, Garrett Whitlock is doing in Boston before they, they just moved yeah. into the rotation. But before that, it was right. And those right, guys, I'm going to give you two and a third. I'm going to give you two and a third on Wednesday. I'll be good to go on Friday. Right. Yeah. And those guys are going to also give you the ability to put them in the rotation. Yeah. Like if, if a need be type thing or if somebody needs a spot start, you're going to have two, three guys who can, like, like what Carlos Torres used to be. Great call. And how effective that was in like 2015. Yeah. He, one of the unsung heroes of that team. Absolutely. So I'd, I'll, we'll get a lot of content coming your way from St. Lucie. Oh, yeah. I should be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, question mark. All depending. right. Well, I mean, it's South Florida in the summer. It, all three games might get washed out. That's a great point. At which point I'm just sitting in the Airbnb. <laughs> all but, right. There you go. Yeah, keep, keep it out for some fun content. Yeah. We talked about Philly. We talked about needing to beat the snot out of Washington. We talked about the gauntlet. We talked about Edwin, uh, Edwin Diaz versus Kelnick. We talked about a lot in this episode. I would be shocked if you don't get at least one Diaz Kelnick matchup this weekend. Oh, it's happening. I wouldn't be surprised if there's three games, we have one every single game. Wouldn't be shocked. Especially with Bucks bullpen management. Yeah. You'll run Diaz out there three games in a row. Oh, for sure. You kidding me? If, he, if he's running out Adam Ottavino, he's running out of Diaz for three straight games. Let's, let's face it. Oh, that was brutal. I don't uh, well, any final thoughts before we head out? No. All right. I think for once, no. Well, then in that case, it's Antonio Slater. It's Jack Ramsey. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube with all the content that's coming up. Make sure you head over there, subscribe. And as always, LFGM. LFGM.